Welcome to the podcast we call Soul Chaser, featuring stories from the book by the same name, Soul Chaser. This is Jordan Rich, and by my side is author Lauren Decker. We want to spend time with you today. Hello, everyone. Soul I'm level, Jim Deering, awakening our you another of Lauren Paul Decker's stories. Beautiful idea here on Soul Chaser, love, the podcast. Love is stories everywhere. with a purpose by Lauren Paul Decker. And now about how God shows Himself of soul and chaser. His grace in everyday things. Lauren's books, Soul Chaser, Rufus, and I Love You, Church, are available at fine bookstores everywhere. Today's Bible verse is from the New Testament book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all but rather had grown worse. Our story today is called Just a Bleeding Woman. Lauren writes, Another day on the street, another day of begging to stay alive while wishing you were dead. She crawled out from beneath the porch where she had hidden herself during the long night. She was cold and hungry, and she was lonely. Oh, God, she said to no one. She was convinced the Almighty had turned a deaf ear to her plight as well. She had once been a believer in such things. She was a rich man's daughter, but that was long ago now. Her parents had perished more than a decade ago, leaving her alone in the world. She was sick, an issue of blood kept her in a state of being labeled as unclean, so that she was not even able to go to the synagogue to pray for healing. She had spent what money her parents had left on her on doctors, trying to find a cure for, for this, she said aloud, while wiping the blood that trickled down her leg. For the last twelve years, she had been bleeding, and this moment, this morning, was no different. Tossing aside the rag that she had pulled from her rag bag, as she called it, she made her way toward the marketplace to beg for her breakfast. Weak and miserable, she shook off the morning chill and entered the crowded main street. There was usually one proprietor she could count on, a hard-boiled egg was sometimes saved for her by some kind marketeer. If not there, there were usually scraps from the tables that fell at the feet of those in the local eateries. She would often huddle in a corner and watch at a safe distance, ready to lunge for anything that hit the floor. She was way past being concerned about her dignity at this point. Often her collection of crumbs came with a swat or a curse as she retreated back to her hiding place against the wall. Today there had been no boiled egg, so she made her way to the nearest restaurant to wait for her chance at a spill. A young wealthy couple brushed by her on her way inside. They had just left a corner table and there was a bit of unfinished breakfast. 
where they had been seated. Hurriedly, she swallowed what she could gather in her hands. "'Go away, vagrant,' hollered a stern voice. She didn't even turn to look, but ran out the door instead. Quickly, she disappeared into the crowd. It had not always been this way. She thought back to her youth— Her parents were influential citizens of the Decapolis. An only child, she was raised by her beloved nanny, who had instructed her in the ways of Jehovah. It was a good upbringing. That is, until her parents had perished in the sacred city of Jerusalem. It was years ago now, but she could recall the day and often did remember the horror that came with it. The Roman governor had been at the end of his patience with the Jewish zealots. These revolutionaries sought the overthrow of Roman rule in their homeland. Their anti-Caesar efforts had begun to grow in intensity, so much so that the Roman authorities had devised a plan to quell the uprising. They desired to keep fear in the hearts of the Jews in an effort to keep the nation in check. The plan was horrific. During one of the Jewish celebrations, the Roman governor had several hundred of his finest soldiers disguise themselves as Jews. Under their cloaks, however, they brandished swords, and on an arranged signal, they took out their weapons and began to hack away at the crowd. Run, my daughter, run and hide, her father's voice was nearly drowned out by the screaming of victims. Run she did, hiding finally in a dark corner under the porch of a large home on a nearly empty side street. She did not emerge from the hiding until evening. Retracing her steps, she carefully picked her way through the bodies of those who had perished. She found her parents near the temple, just two blocks away from her hiding place. They were dead. That much could not be mistaken. Hiking up her long robe, she turned and ran as fast as she could into the evening gloom. Away, away, she wanted to put as much distance as possible between herself and that horror. That night was the first time she noticed the bleeding And that was twelve years ago. Since that time, her life had been hard. She and her nanny lived for a time in a rented bungalow. Together they visited every doctor in the region trying to find a cure for the issue of blood that would not abate. She spent what little wealth the bankers said was rightfully hers. Although she believed the banker took advantage of her youth, and kept most of her father's money for himself. Finally, penniless, she had to bid goodbye to her beloved nanny, and the following week she was living on the street, a beggar. More than a decade had now passed, wishing she would die. She sat down by a fire that some of the other homeless had kindled. Greeting the familiar faces, no one has a name on the street, She slowly brought her thoughts back to the present as she listened to the conversation of the men and women of the street. "Uh, "'Next town over and heading this way,' said one who seemed to be the ringleader. 
I heard he fed more than 5,000 people with one little kid's lunch. I saw him make a blind man see with my own eyes, I tell you, said another. She listened intently as the talk continued. Traveling fast with a rich man with him. Has all Zebedee's boys in his posse. Claim they've left their fishing business to follow the miracle man. Left the old man high and dry, none too pleased either. He has made some enemies in the power structure. Well, she hung on to every word. Lame men walking, blind men seeing. Could this be her chance? Would the miracle man help her? Her thoughts were interrupted by two men peering down the alley where she sat by the fire. Jairus, they called. Nobody here with that name, said the ringleader, murmured another. The two men went on their way, still calling for Jairus. Whoever that is, she mused. Just then, a homeless street dweller that she recognized joined the circle. Reaching under his shabby cloak, he produced a loaf of warm bread. She knew it was stolen, but she was too hungry to care. She ripped off a piece and ate with the others. She could not remember the last time she had tasted something so good. Suddenly, a commotion out on the main street caught her attention. Someone in the road was pointing. It's him. It's Jesus, the worker of miracles. Without a second thought, she began to run toward the street, pushing her way past the growing crowd of onlookers. One at the center of the moving mass of people was dressed like a rabbi. That must be him, she whispered. She became like a crazed woman, elbowing her way through the people. She was so close when someone shoved her from behind and she lost her balance and fell to the cobblestones. Her hope of meeting the miracle man fell with her. All she could do was reach and try to touch. Her hand grasped the flowing cloak of the rabbi as he walked past. She hung on for an instant and then let go. At that very moment, the hard cobblestone seemed like a feather bed. What was this feeling? It was as if the taste of the warm bread she had just eaten was taking over her body. She felt whole. She felt strong. She was well again, and she knew it. The rabbi came to an abrupt halt a few yards beyond where she lay and turned. Who touched me? She heard him say. His eyes met hers. He smiled. He turned again and was gone. And gone, too, was her miserable condition. He had taken that with him. This has been Soul Chaser. We hope this program has caused you to consider the vastness of God's love for you. Nothing is going to change that reality, but love can certainly change you.